This is Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about the state entering Phase 5, lawmakers heading back to the Capitol to possibly take up an energy bill and other legislation, and more. We'll also get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about next week's session, redistricting, Fauci's emails, and the state's reopening. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com, the country's fastest-growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you want to get a quick update on what's happening at the state capitol in Springfield and across the state. Our team writes short, impactful stories that help all Illinoisans understand what's going on in their home state. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Our team covers government and the activity of elected officials so you can make sense of how their activity affects you and your family and your future here in Illinois. We know Illinois because we live in Illinois. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. Thecentersquare.com. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. Two weeks to slow the spread has lasted nearly a year and a half. Now, some want Governor J.B. Pritzker to stop governing through disaster proclamations and executive orders with the state entering Phase 5. The first orders from the governor in March 2020 closed restaurants to in-person service. He telegraphed what was to come on NBC that spring. COVID-19 is spreading because even healthy people can be walking around giving it to other people. So did you? So we need to go on lockdown. There was then a 10-week stay-at-home order closing schools and other in-person businesses. That was followed by months of dialed-in capacity restrictions dictated by the governor without any check from the General Assembly. During the session last month, Republican State Representative Dan Ugasti warned lawmakers. We are operating and moving down a dangerous path if we allow governors either today or in the future to declare emergency declarations as long as they want without input from the General Assembly. Pritzker's Phase 5 allows full capacity for conventions, concerts, and other events, but it also allows private businesses to require masks or proof of vaccine. Masks will still be required in schools, public transportation, and medical settings. With Phase 5 for the first time in nearly a year and a half, conventions, concerts, and other large group events can go full capacity, and Michael Jacobson with the Illinois Hotel and Lodging Association celebrated the long-awaited reopening. Many hotels, if they were suspended altogether, they didn't have a penny of revenue for 15 months and it's going to take years to come to make up for a year's worth of lost revenue. He said hotels will each have their own protocols for mask requirements on unvaccinated people and many of the distancing provisions will carry over like spacing out seating. But he said a lot of lessons were learned. We can't afford 
to be shut down again. Um, so God forbid we ever experience something similar. It, it was just, it was devastating for so many hotel owners across the state. Hundreds of millions of tax dollars from federal and state government lined up for the tourism and hospitality industry to assist in recovering from the pandemic and government orders restricting the economy. The Illinois Department of Public Health announced schools can offer COVID-19 tests to any student, including those in elementary schools. Andrew Hensel has more. Elementary school students will soon be tested for COVID-19 before school, joining middle schools and high schools throughout the state. The Illinois Department of Public Health is using funds from the CARES Act to pay for the rapid results saliva test. Ben Taylor, who is Director for Economic Development for SHIELD Illinois, says based on the state's evidence-based funding formula, 75% of the school districts won't pay for the testing. So three-fourths of school districts, you know, won't have to pay a cent for, the, for this testing. School districts will determine how and when tests are given to students, Taylor said. It's really up to the school district. Um, IDPH will pay for up to twice weekly testing for your district. A lot of them are opting for once a week. Schools and the Illinois Department of Public Health will be able to get test results within 24 hours. I'm Andrew Hensel. Of the more than 3,200 pages of emails released through the Freedom of Information Act to and from Dr. Anthony Fauci, there are none from the Pritzker administration. More than a year ago, on Sunday, April 26, 2020, Governor J.B. Pritzker talked about his relationship with Fauci, the head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Personally, I think Dr. Fauci has been a, um, a, a very reliable source of information. I have spoken with him directly, one-on-one, -on -one, a couple of times already, and uh, and I, you know, and I rely, you know, I rely on the guidance that I hear from him. But a search of more than 3,200 pages of Fauci's emails from during the pandemic published by BuzzFeed last week, there isn't any communication from the Pritzker administration with Fauci or staff. There are emails forwarded to Fauci by his staff from Chicago's public health director asking about coordination with federal officials in the early weeks of the pandemic. Republican U.S. Representative Rodney Davis said throughout the pandemic, he also relied on guidance from Fauci. But that's changed. And when you look at some of the emails, you look at some of the recommendations right now, they clearly don't follow science and data that we know about this disease now. They follow feelings. They follow politics. And we've got to change that in Washington and, and frankly, at all levels of government. Davis also said the emails indicate early on stories about a possible lab leak were throttled by social media companies, raising further concerns about the role of politics and decisions around managing the pandemic. Pritzker's office didn't return a message seeking comment. The Illinois Senate is coming back to session Tuesday, and one issue they're expected to take up is a bill regulating the state's energy industry. Governor J.B. Pritzker said an energy deal is in the hands of the General Assembly. He wants to close coal-fired power plants by 2035. After going into overtime last week, Senate President Don Harmon said there's a deal in the works. My caucus members are assuring me generally that they're comfortable with the 2035 date. Um, a few members might not be able to vote for it because of impacts in their district, but I'm confident we'll have the votes to support the decarbonization. This week, Harmon announced the Senate will return June 15th to take up an energy plan. Democratic State Senator Doris Turner last week said she raised her concerns, the negative impacts on her community of closing coal-fired power plants. You know, and it wasn't just me that was speaking up about those. Uh, my colleagues from across, um, you know, Illinois have been speaking up on them. And so I, and I, I trust that President Harmon has been interjecting those ideas and concerns. 
Republican State Representative Tim Butler said closing coal-fired power plants like Springfield's municipally owned facility doesn't work for downstate Illinois. We're going to have to pull it from somewhere else in the MISO grid, uh, probably from coal-fired power plants in Kentucky and Indiana, which is which is kind of humorous when when you think about that. While some say there needs to be a focus on more clean energy jobs, Evan Wooding, business manager for Steamfitters in Peoria, said that won't replace the careers of coal-fired power plants. So you go by all these facilities, there's people there 24-7, 365, making sure they're up and running, and you're talking about a job coming in and building a wind farm or a solar facility, and then they're gone. The Senate announced they'll return Tuesday. The House returns next Wednesday. Any legislation that passes must get a supermajority of the chambers. Illinois State House Republican leaders have sued their Democratic counterparts in federal court to block the recently enacted legislative maps Governor J.B. Pritzker signed last week. The lawsuit alleges using American Community Survey data instead of the full census data is unconstitutional. Democrats expected the lawsuit and said Republicans are trying to stifle their work, calling the maps diverse and true representation for Illinois. The persistent delays in firearm owners' identification cards will continue after a federal judge shot down a motion this week seeking to force the state to issue backlogged cards. Illinoisans wanting to purchase their own firearms and ammunition must have a FOID card, but it's approaching two years of reports of backlogs in FOID card applications. Some people have been waiting for months, if not more than a year. From April 2020 to April this year, Illinois State Police data indicates there are nearly 69,000 people waiting for their initial FOID cards to be processed. There are nearly 57,000 renewal applications backlogged. Combined, that's double what the backlog was reported in January 2020. Goldwater Institute attorney Jacob Hubert sued in federal court. You know, when they enacted this, they recognized that they uh, needed to do something to respect people's Second Amendment rights. So they put that 30-day limit in there, but then they went on to uh, totally disrespect it. And the problems only got worse. A judge Wednesday struck down their motion to force the state to immediately issue backlogged cards, saying while the delays are a burden, it's not severe enough to render the process unconstitutional. Hubert disagreed. Because this is a total deprivation of Second Amendment rights. Uh, until the state gets around to uh, acting on your FOID card application. And of course, for some people... That could be the difference between life and death. The case is still alive at the trial level, but it's likely to go all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Hubert said the state is supposed to process applications within 30 days. If they can't do that, then they should scrap the whole scheme, and the court should enjoin the whole Floyd Card Act. If these people can't process these cards within 30 days, then they shouldn't be doing this at all, and they should just respect people's Second Amendment rights in the first place. A survey showing the winners and losers of migrating wealth between states in 2019 places Illinois near the bottom. Kevin Bessler has details. The nonprofit WirePoints reviewed domestic migration data provided by the Internal Revenue Service. President Ted Dabrowski says Illinois lost $6 billion in adjusted gross income. And the money that they take with them, based on the, the, the base incomes in the state, uh, Illinois was the worst. So uh, third worst for people and, and worst for, for losing money. Dabrowski says a number of reasons could be causing the exodus, including high taxes and government corruption. When you look at the actions of our, our legislature, they're not doing anything to solve the problems. And so people are left with one choice, stick it out, suffer in Illinois, or move to another state. Dabrowski says Illinoisans who left the state made on average $92,000 a year, while people who moved here made $71,000 a year. I'm Kevin Bessler. 
Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Illinois in Focus podcast. This is the Crosstalk segment. I'm Chris Krug, publisher of the Center Square right here in Illinois. And I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Dan McHale, executive editor of the Center Square. Dan, what is going on? Hey, Chris. <laughs> that, that was my mock celebration of um, Illinois fully reopening uh, on Friday, June 11th. We're taping this on Thursday, June 10th. After 15 months of uh, government restrictions to follow the science and data to slow the spread, uh, we're supposed to be fully reopened by the time uh, our listeners are, are tuning in. You know, this is an audio uh, delivered uh, content package, this podcast. I, I watched that on a, on a live stream video, and Dan blew into what appears to be a 40-year-old, uh, at least, folded up, crumpled, New Year's Eve tutor or whatever those things are called. I didn't have an Independence Day tutor, but happy Independence Day early, Mr. Yeah, Proof. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so, yes, it is true. Um, the state is reopening. Um, what does it mean? And and how would I know that it's reopened? I, I, I continue to, you know, to live a normal life and shop. I'm, I'm vaccinated, so I'm pretty clear on what uh, what science says about you know me wearing a mask and others wearing masks around me and I've gotten to be very good at social distancing. I might be a social distancing uh, medalist at this point. What does this reopening really mean? Well, in reality, it 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 it's more. Um uh, it, it doesn't re- mean much in reality. It, it's more of a ceremonial thing. We've been talking about you know, Governor Pritzker shut down the state in March of 2020, 15 uh, full months ago. He's renewed um, his health orders, uh, his disaster proclamations, excuse me, 18 different times over the course of those 15 months. Um, small businesses during the early months of the pandemic were shut down businesses that Governor Pritzker himself deemed non-essential were shut down. And then as things started to loosen up a little bit, you know, he put capacity restrictions on businesses, on he put other restrictions on individuals. I think for the past, more than the past six months, many folks in Illinois have largely ignored the governor's uh, mandates. Anyway, so it's more, it's more ceremonial than it is like it's going to affect anybody in reality. But the day is here at least 15 months uh, after these restrictions were first in place. So we, we should at least acknowledge it. But I think what we need to do now is reflect and have some really good, some really deep conversations about what does these unilateral decisions by a single man, a single person, the governor of the state of Illinois, um, uh, whether they worked, whether they were right, um, 
And two, why did the legislature essentially take a complete hands-off approach? They showed lack of courage. They showed a lack of initiative of do on doing their jobs and checking the governor. Um, most states across the country, even in states similar to Illinois, where you've got a dem you know a one party controlling the governor and the legislature, even in those states, there was legislative input. Right. Um, in what uh, uh, the COVID response was going to be in Illinois, there was no legislative input. Um, so we, we really need to do a deep dive into the governor's uh, emergency powers and why the legislature put zero, zero checks and balances on. Yeah. I, and I, look, I, I agree with you. I, and I, I think that that's salient commentary and, and, and you're, you're absolutely on the money. The, the problem would be the doing, um, you know, are we going to ask the governor to relinquish the power that he assumed? Are we going to ask the legislature to step up and do its job? Um, I think, I don't know. I mean, it, I've thought about this. I knew we were going to talk about this today. I mean, because it's, you know, we're, we're here, here we are, you know, at the, in theory, at the beginning of the end of, of, of COVID-19. Um, and I think back on the last 15 months, at how awful it, it, it has been and and how many things that that frankly uh, we destroyed and the giant hole that we put ourselves into as a state economically and certainly the management of of covid you know by the state i don't know i mean i don't want to assign grades to it uh but i'm not sure that we did super well i mean the number of deaths that we had in illinois were really really high the number of businesses that we shut down through restrictions also very high um we were going to survive this by and large i mean if you, if you pay attention to the data that that we've been able to collect and look at that and, and even compare it you know not only to other states and the entire country but to other countries we were going to survive this um but we had unilateral rule and economic devastation and if we're asking the people who participated in that unilateral rule and devastation to do something about it, that would seem futile to me. Uh, com completely agreed. Um, there were at least debates and conversations going on in 49 states around the country. And when I, when I, I say debates, of course, there were debates in, in Illinois, but not at the, among the folks that we elected to represent us. Our state representatives and our state senators um, just decided to stay on the sidelines during this entire pandemic. I say that I'm talking about the majority party, of course, Democrats uh, in Illinois. They decided to allow Governor Pritzker to unilaterally decide what was going to happen, what personal freedoms, what individual freedoms um, he was going to uh, restrict and take away from you and me and our neighbors um, right. and, and the folks who create the jobs. Uh, the small business owners, without any conversation uh, amongst our elected representatives. And that just didn't work. It wasn't effective. It it really it frustrated uh, voters and taxpayers across the country who started pushing back on this early on 
Um, if you remember, we, we just finished the 2021 legislative session. Right. Uh, the legislature took 2020 off. They worked for maybe uh, three days at the end of May uh, to pass their budget. Then they went home, weren't heard from, um, while the while the while the governor uh, suspended our freedoms. Um, that just that is not how a democracy uh, uh, is supposed to work. Um, we, we, our government failed the people of Illinois during these these past 15 months. It is nice to to say we we finally gotten to this point, largely because of vaccine av availability um, and, and the red tape that uh, former President Donald Trump got rid of, um, so these vaccines could be tested quickly and approved. Um, quickly and made available starting in December of 2020. But now it's time to really do a deep dive uh, into why Illinois was sort of an outlier um, yeah. during this thing and, and, and why the people we were elected um, in our home districts didn't step up and take, take more uh, action uh, or at least uh, push back or at least debate the governor on all of his, all of his executive orders. Yeah, I, I well, I, I I agree with what you're saying. I, I think that that's going to be largely a job for the journalists. I think that's going to wind up being a job for media. You, you expect know, that to happen? Well, I, we can only you know we can only do our part. Um, but at the at the most local level, you know, you would think you would hope um, that the you know the local newspapers in particular around the state would be asking these kinds of questions of their legislators. And the legislators that represent the districts in their coverage area, I think it would, I think it would start there. I think it would start there. I mean, if you, what you're talking about ultimately is, is, you know, is, is reform uh, in, in the, in the, in the understanding or the, uh, the allowance of a governor's executive orders, a governor's authority, the legislature stood down and ceded that responsibility to the governor. That's a lot of pressure to put on anyone competency or you know lack thereof and i think illinois suffered from that but you know it's it's a, it's about accountability and if it's not the local newspapers holding them to account then i'm not sure who it would be right and and, and it's it's not just what happened over the the, the impact is not just what's happened over the, the past 15 months the impact is going to be felt for years um to Without come how many um, the hundreds or even thousands of small businesses just went under because they weren't deemed by a single person uh, to be essential uh, uh, businesses. So they were forced to shut down. Of course, they were right. forced to lay off um, their employees. Um, we had uh, hundreds of thousands of people who lost their jobs over the course of the past uh, 15 months. Many of them have not gone to work. Now there's completely other issues that we can talk about, the expanded uh, enhanced unemployment benefits of the federal government. That's a topic for that we've talked about in the past and we'll probably continue to talk about in the, in the future. But the, the widespread ramifications of a, a single person's authority because the legislature refused to get involved, they're gonna be impacting us for years to come. The, of course, the restaurant industry, there's many different types of businesses that were impacted. The restaurant industry, the hotel industry, the tourism industry were among the most impacted, are going to be the ones um, that are going to see that impact continue uh, into the future. Um, but absolutely, and I agree with you about local journalists 
um, exploring these things, talking to the people who have been impacted, and and um, and and just analyzing what was done and what needs to happen in the future. Yeah, the um, shifting it up just a little bit. You, you know, let's talk about the the BuzzFeed email dump, um, which certainly connects to what we're talking about, but but goes in a different direction here. Uh, BuzzFeed, a uh, news and entertainment site. I don't mean to categorize it incorrectly, but I think you'd be more likely to see something on there that's uh, entertainment than than you would that would be news. Somehow, some way, um, was able to get its FOIA through for Anthony Fauci, Doctor Anthony Fauci's emails during the pandemic. And, you know, as it pertains, to, and I'm sure that everybody out there has seen dribs and drabs of, of emails and, you know, probably listened to, to, you know, to Rand Paul or video tapes or clips of Rand Paul interviewing Dr. Fauci and whatnot. So, I mean, there's a, a lot of questions to be asked about what he knew when and why his guidance went this way and then it went that way. And, and I, I think that even, uh, even Dr. Fauci, I'm pretty certain of this, that he acknowledged that you know, that he probably could have been misinterpreted because he was processing his thoughts out loud <laughs> and leading people in different directions at different times. I'm being nice about that, I think. Um, but one of the things uh, that, that, you know, that we were interested in was of these 3,200 emails that BuzzFeed had, you know, had uncovered, how many of them uh, had any kind of conversations in them with uh, Governor Pritzker, uh, or uh, Dr. Ngazi Ezeke, who leads the state's health initiative. And the answer to that was? Zero. Zero. It's and kind that's, of you know, that's, yeah, kind of industry and kind of surprising because throughout the pandemic, particularly early on, um, but throughout the pandemic, um, Dr. Ezeke uh, and Governor Pritzker um, talked about how close they were uh, in getting guidance from Dr. Fauci, who, of course, is the head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, how they were communicating with him and his office um, daily at, at points um, throughout the uh, the pandemic, particularly the early months of the pandemic. And uh, BuzzFeed got its hand on all these emails, uh, more than 3,200 pages of it, uh, and there's none, none from the state of Illinois, uh, none from Governor Pritzker's administration. Now, we don't expect Governor Pritzker himself necessarily to be sending emails directly directly to Dr. Um, Fauci, um, but certainly uh, his you would think his staff was communicating regularly and and they had they had regular they had weekly phone calls and some 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 points they were having daily phone calls. Um, but you would think there would be follow-up questions and follow-up seeking guidance and whatnot, but there was none and that was that was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not really sure what to make of it. I mean it, it would be I think easy to say from the cheap seats that, you know, having watched so many of those daily Pritzker briefings, I mean, so many of them, you know, and he did like 90 of them in a row. I mean, I've not gone back and taken the time to count the number of occasions where he referenced having communication directly with, with Dr. Fauci or, or that, you know, his administration had communication with Dr. Fauci, but I, I think it would be safe to guess that, you know, it would be, if not once a day, then five out of seven days that something like that was, was referenced. And it just doesn't appear like there was the kind of communication that we were 
led to believe that there that there might be. And you know, is this in this administration and the way that it it talks about having regular communication, you know, to bring home, I mean, the uh, LaSalle Veterans Home story, which is which is tragic. I mean, you know, 36 uh, vets died under the state's care. You know, we were led to believe at the time that it was occurring that there was regular communication between the Pritzker administration and the I mean, and Dr. Azike and 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 even Governor Pritzker himself and the administrator um, over Veterans Affairs, and that that didn't that didn't seem to be the case either. And how how many times? And again, I haven't gone back and looked or counted. But every single news conference when he was having the daily news conferences, and and then later less frequently. Almost every single one of those, he referenced the science, science and the data and the guidance he was getting from the federal government, uh, which means Dr. Fauci and the, and the Centers for D- uh, Disease Control, uh, for Centers for Disease Control, and um, uh, yeah, so that's why it, that's why it's really amazing um, that in all of these three thousand two hundred pages of emails, there's nothing there. I I, I don't know. Well, it it, it makes you wonder what's real. You know, I mean, you can say whatever you want to say. You can stand up in front of the podium and, and you can flail, flail your arms when you get a tough question and you can answer however you want to answer it. But what what really happened? I mean, that's that's the question that we're asking. You know, w- what were these conversations about? We just we just want to understand for the reasons that you explained in, in, the, in our first segment, because COVID doesn't end today. We're taping this on on Thursday, June 10th you know, for release on Friday, June 11th. Friday, June 11th is the opening of phase five. And, and I think that, you know, what we can expect to see over the next coming months is would be some level of caution, like, hey, let's not slip back, but things are open. And it's, this is essentially the start of a, of a, of a new day, as the Pritzker administration would like to portray it in Illinois. Things are coming back and it starts right here. Okay, that's fine. But how big of a hole did we dig behind ourselves that actually is now in front of ourselves as we try to get out of this, out of the economic impact, the societal impact? Carjackings in the city are still out of control. Murder rate in Chicago is still out of control. The unemployment and the underemployment issues that the state faces, and and, and I'm, I'm going to use the broader context or use a broader context for underemployment. We have people that are not going back to work because they're still accepting the $300 additional federal uh, enhancement on the state's unemployment benefits. There's a lot of work to do in this state, a lot of work to do. And we weren't in great shape before this happened. Oh, that's an understatement. So, you know, I want to make, I want to make, I'm not, I ready, make to one. Blow, I'm not ready to blow my new year's Eve horn just yet. <laughs> First of all, I've got to find it. I'm sure I have one somewhere, but I had to dig that out of the uh, uh, the closet in the cellar. Yeah, it you took were... me about 20 minutes to find it. That was, uh, but well I, I want to make one more point here about these these Fauci emails and and what it means in in, in a larger context. Governor Pritzker, um, in addition to saying every single day he was following the sci- science and he was following the data. And he was uh, uh, in regular communication uh, with the with the U.S. CDC. 
Um, he, he was also one of the Democratic governors uh, across the country, one of a handful who were openly very critical of the administration of uh, former President Trump during this thing, saying we need we need um, uh, we need a federal government um, solution to this. It shouldn't yeah. be piecemeal, state by state. We need the federal government. Donald Trump and his administration are not stepping up um, and doing what the federal government needs to do. So you would think then, if, if, because he was so openly critical of of the presidency, and of course Dr. Fauci had had some noted um, conflicts with the president, you would think then that he would, if he if he has no faith in President Trump, why isn't he relying more on uh, the CDC? Uh, uh, and, and people like Dr. Fauci. That just makes it all the, all the more baffling. And it also, going back to our first segment where we talked about the legislature staying out of this, it, it, it makes you wonder just how much unilaterally he was uh, acting. It doesn't seem like he was he was um, accepting. He wasn't getting any advice from the legislature. It doesn't seem like he was getting much advice, actually, uh, uh, from the federal government. So was he really acting on his own? Great questions. Speaking of the legislature, they're back pretty soon here. I thought they were done. I thought didn't they finish? I thought they're they finished, but they have unfinished business. So this is oh. this is legislative session part due. Um, some big things that they've got to work on, including this energy deal. Oh boy. Yeah. So last week, um, and this is you know from uh, reporting that Greg Bishop did at the Center Square. Last week, um, Governor Pritzker said an energy deal is in the hands of the General Assembly, uh, but he wants to close the state's coal-fired power plants by 2035, which 2035 has been like a magic number, you know, in the last, I don't know, X, X number of, uh, of months going back into the presidential, you know, election uh, run-up that it seemed like a lot of Democrats we're looking at 2035 as sort of a magic date, you know, when everybody would be driving electric cars and, and that, you know, that uh, the environment would be repaired. And I don't remember if there was any sort of, you know, environmental threat that was up against that, you know, height of the world's water tables or, or, uh, you know, ocean flows or glacier melts or whatever. But, um, what is it that the legislature is going to try to get done here as they come back for what amounts to be overtime? As if, as if the damage hasn't already been done in regular time, we get overtime damage on top of it. Thanks. Um, so, so the, the honest answer is we don't really know because guess what? Surprise, surprise. We haven't seen this energy bill uh, that Democrats are working on behind closed doors in Springfield, as they did with the budget, as they did with ethics reform, as they did with redistricting after the 2020 census. So it's business as usual in Springfield. They're coming back next week, and they'll probably dump a thousand-page document on us, um, on taxpayers in Illinois, and on their Republican colleagues in the legislature. And we'll have you know five hours uh, to read. 1,000 plus pages of documents. So we won't know what the damage is going to be, uh, you know, until after it's probably approved by the supermajority Democrats in both the House um, and the Senate. But as you mentioned, Pritzker has said he wants to close um, cold-fired plants, power plants in Illinois um, by 2035. Well, guess what? Illinois still gets a lot of its power from coal-fired plants. There are thousands of people who have jobs uh, in the coal industry um, in Illinois. Guess what? 
we're, we're not going to be able to expand renewable energy uh, to the point where it it completely fills any gap uh, mm. in, in the energy we get from coal by 2035, no matter how aggressive anybody's um, plans are. All you have to do really is look to California, who's been the most aggressive state um, in the country when it comes to climate change and clean energy um, right. uh, laws. And year in and year out, and it's gotten worse, year in and year out, they have rolling blackouts throughout the state. They don't have enough power. Um, with old energy um, right now uh, uh, to, to power all their homes during the hottest months uh, of the year. And, and they're aggressively pushing towards a 100% um, uh, renew renewable uh, energy plan um, in California. And it's gotten worse uh, the more restrictions they place on oil and gas and, and coal um, and what's considered, you know, quote unquote, dirty um, energy. So there's mm -hmm. there's a number of, of, of factors that we don't know yet and how it's going to impact Illinois. How is it going to impact jobs? Uh, how is it going to impact the uh, the economy? How is it going to affect energy prices? Um, we're now going through a significant inflation um, uh, right now, and anybody everybody's energy. Look, all you got to do is go fill up your uh, your car with some some gasoline, and you'll oh, notice uh, that the prices of the at, uh, at the gas station have gone up significantly. This, these continued pushes for that are going to significantly increase uh, consumer costs. So I wish I had, back to your original question, I wish I had the answer for you. What does it mean or what's what's in it? I don't know because they're doing all this behind closed doors. Hopefully we'll get some answers next week and we'll be able to talk about it uh, uh, next week on the yeah, podcast. I look, I look forward to seeing that on the state's financials. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, the um, I guess that this is, you know, just a business as usual deal here you know the idea of 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 caving in you know to to the to the ideas that uh you know that energy is is bad or that we don't need it or or that we we radically need to change it hey you know what let the market determine that i mean environmentally uh is the state of illinois in in worse shape now or better shape than it was 25 years ago it's in better shape with, with with the technology that, that that we have, I mean, we need nuclear power. When you and I were kids, you know, and we grew up in you and I happened to both grow up in Pennsylvania, right? I mean, Three Mile Island happened, and that was the you know that the, the, you had a reactor that that overheated, and you know that there was you know some uh, radiation that was released, and you know it was it was like a stark, scary thing. You know, I mean, the the East Coast was going to implode. Um, nuclear power used to be a negative. I, I mean, I, I think nuclear power has been and should be viewed as a, a positive. It's the cleanest, most efficient way to, to create the, you know, the most amount of usable energy. And, you know, the, 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 what the process in, in which that occurs requires some additional energy. You need energy to power energy plants. So, you know, the, the, if, if there were more like cogent solutions and and it, and it wasn't just this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, I, I, I'm with you. I don't want to live in a state where there's rolling blackouts. I don't want to live in a state where I turn on the light switch and the lights aren't there. Um, you know, I, I don't want to and I also don't want to pay four dollars and twenty five cents for a gallon of gasoline, which I think, you know, my car runs on premium. So it uh, or it's recommended to run on premium. But even if you bought regular, I mean, at the pump where we are, 
it's what three dollars and thirty five cents a gallon now. Yeah, in that range, yeah. And I want to raise one more point too about particularly about these behind close um, deals. Remember, um, ComEd uh, uh, runs several nuclear plants um, in in Illinois. In 2016, ComEd went to the state legislature seeking a bailout, saying it was going to close its nuclear plants um, Illinois if it didn't get bailed out by by uh, state taxpayers, uh, by energy users in the state. The legislature gave them a sweetheart deal. And then what happened? Then the federal government came in and started investigating corruption um, in state government. Um, and we learned that ComEd um, had been um, behind the scenes um, uh, paying off Illinois legislatures and people close to former Speaker uh, House Mike Madigan to curry favor with him. We don't know if it's directly yet at this point, if it's directly tied to that nuclear bailout thing. But now, uh, but many people have been charged with crimes when this one, Michael Madigan uh, has been implicated as public official A, hasn't been charged with a crime yet, um, but he has been identified as public official A and a target of the federal corruption investigation. Now we have a new energy deal right now that's going on but be going on behind closed doors. ComEd is deep again in the negotiations. Remember ComEd admitted um, to bribing, uh, essentially bribing um, uh, people close to Michael Madigan back in, in the, in the uh, late 2010s or whatever to curry favor with the former speaker. Why shouldn't Illinois taxpayers, Illinois voters not suspect something similar is going on? We don't know if it is, can't say it is, but with Illinois' history of corruption, the fact that we know that it's happened before, this should be done in the open right now. We should know what they're talking about. We should know what's going on. In some, in some states, their legislatures do that. Really? I've, I've, been, I've been told, you know, I, I, I've, seen, I've seen stories about legislatures that get together and, 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 you know, they, they set party affiliation aside and have, you know, meaningful conversations about the things that matter to the state as a whole in public, in, in, in public. Yes. Yeah. The, some of them even will like put suits and, and dresses on and, and show up in, you know, in, in their state capital and, and have those conversations. And then are the mics on and the cameras rolling and stuff like yeah. that too? Yes. Yeah. 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 Where access is unfettered and, and uh, you know, for the media. So, so that the people can see how the people's business is being done. Interesting concept. Yeah. I'll send you a white paper on it. I, I it's uh, I, I'm sure there's one out there. Am I going to have to read it? No. <laughs> Why bother? <laughs> um, other business that happening in Springfield this week, <laughs> we, we think um, that the budget which you referenced earlier that was hundreds of pages of long, never discussed, never discussed in any meaningful way uh, on the House or Senate floor, uh, floors, plural, um, passed. Uh, but there may be some problem or problems with it, like maybe that the math doesn't line up and that the this budget is actually going to need to be cleaned up while the overtime legislative proceedings occur i love overtime overtime when you go overtime it's free legislative action right when you go to extra innings in baseball you call it free baseball right that's right well here we (laughs) of course nothing is free in illinois so (laughs) that was a bad analogy yeah so um illinois legislature 
um, it's it's number one priority, number one responsibility is to pass an annual annual budget. So state government has a plan for what it can spend over the spend in taxpayer dollars, of course, uh, over the course of the next year. Um, it, it, it's their number one priority. You go into the legislative session, the governor presents his budget plan, but you never get a legislative budget plan until, for whatever reason, because it's Illinois, I guess, until the waning moments of the session. That's what happened again this year, as it's happened uh, every single year since I've been covering state government. Um, in Illinois. And uh, lawmakers haven't had a chance to read it. They rush through the process, they pass it, and then guess what? Oh, there's problems with the budget. So we have to go back in in extra session. Um, um, and of course, it's 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 not free because we pay the legislatures uh, a stipend every day they're in Springfield. So it costs more uh, taxpayer money. And so next week, when they're also uh, revealing, hopefully unveiling their energy bill, the who knows is going to cost countless jobs. Um, they're going to have to fix the budget um, that no one got to see until the until after it was voted on. So we, and, and we're not even sure what the details are that what needs to be fixed um, as a taxpayer. Illinois, um, which of course all of us are, um, I'd be a little bit worried about that. Well, and, and I, 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 I'm just sort of wondering what the truth is here, because I, I read a story this morning um, from WBEZ, which is Public Radio Chicago, and it it says in this in this story, um, Dave McKinney, Tony Arnold, and you know want to want to be fair with them, but this seems to just be a a very, very different take on what, what we're talking about that the, well, first of all, the headline of the story is this after years of mockery, Illinois is finally earning high marks over its finances, which is just really a peculiar headline. I mean, Illinois is how many billions of dollars in debt? It, it depends on who you ask, but at a bare minimum, uh, when you count um, uh, legacy costs such as unfunded pensions, unfunded former public employee uh, health care costs, whatever, it's well over $200 billion, with a B, $200 billion. Um, uh, uh, dollars. And that doesn't account, and that doesn't uh, account the unpaid bills that we still owe, which are not. And, and I think this is where this this story might be, this fake news story, dare I say, might be coming from. Is we got our unpaid bills. Those are the the folks who do business with the state, who have contracts with the state um, to fix roads, you, you know, to prov to provide health care, um, things like that. It's down to uh, just over four billion dollars. At its peak, it was um, you know twelve, thirteen billion dollars uh, several years ago. But it's because it's down our unpaid bills, just our daily operating bills are down to four billion dollars. You get this headline that that doesn't make that doesn't have any sense of reality. After years of mockery, Illinois is finally earning high marks over its finances. High marks from whom? We have two hundred billion dollars, more than two hundred billion dollars in legacy debt. That's just not, not the daily operating debt. That's the debt that we're going to owe people who aren't working anymore. Um, so yeah. I, I forgot your original question because I, I, I'm right not sure that, that there was a question in there. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at this and I've got like, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat stupefied that, that that could possibly be a headline in the state of Illinois. Um, I mean, that seems almost to me, that seems like a participation trophy kind of uh uh, recognition for what's going on in Springfield that we're only $4 billion behind in paying our bills. 
Well, here you go, little Johnny. Here's your trophy. Great work. Keep it up. Well, let, let, let's just quickly analyze this. If Illinois finally earning high marks over its finance. Well, that means someone's giving them, giving Illinois high marks, right? Well, who is that somebody? The first person they quote the story is the deputy governor, Dan Heinz. So internally, the administration is giving the administration high marks for its budget. That yeah. doesn't seem like an independent uh, analysis. Well, um, I think you're being too rough. I mean, if, if you don't have the group inside believing in what you're doing, you know, <laughs> that story's terrible. I mean, I'm just going to, that story is just, that is like, you know, people ask me this all the time. Like, do you ever feel like we're living in two different worlds? And, um, you know, I get this question a fair amount. I mean, from, I, from smart people. I mean, and, and my answer is, it seems like it. And when you read a headline like that, it's just like, yeah, that's disconnected from, from reality. Um, and, and look, you and I would probably, if we step back from the conversations that we have here, and, and of course, you know, we, we talk about the work that we do on the Illinois in Focus podcast. And, you know, the Illinois in Focus broadcast on the Illinois radio network. We, we talk about that. It's like, you know, we on the mark, we off the mark. I mean, is that, was that good? Was, you know, did, did that resonate the right way? Do we say it? Because I mean, this is unscripted. You and I sit around and talk about the headlines from the week, and we try to make sense of them. And we focus largely on the on the work that we control, right? The work that we produce at the center square, which is, you know, the only. I, I'm not in charge of the media in Illinois, nor do I want to be. Okay, but when you see a story like that that's out there in and of itself with a headline like that on it, it's um, it's confounding because it that just does not line up in any meaningful way with reality and what and, and just digging a little bit further into the, the story it's essentially government um analyzing itself there's no perspective from the taxpayer um are illinois fine are illinois finances are are they that much better from a taxpayer's perspective no we still have 200 billion dollars in debt um, the taxpayers, future taxpayers, uh, are going to owe on top of the regular yearly day in and day out operating expenses. Um, yeah. This is government analyzing government, or the media talking to government about analyzing. Well, uh, it's, it's taxpayer funded media analyzing the government, analyzing the government. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's fair. So <laughs> moving along. We've spent plenty enough time on that, whatever that is. Um, ethics reform. It was supposed to be one of the, I'm laughing. It's not funny. Uh, ethics reform was supposed to be one of the hallmark pieces of what this legislature was going to work on. And it really, it didn't work super hard on ethics. Um there is a bill, an ethics bill. Um, there are people that are saying maybe we should work a little harder on that before it gets an autograph from uh, the governor. This, this, yeah, this we've been talking about ethics reform in Illinois for years. Of course, we've already mentioned the federal corruption probe um, into bribery and other scandals in state government and local government throughout Illinois. Um, ethics reform has been being talked about and it's been a 
quote unquote priority um, in Springfield. This this is for years. This is token legislation. It's not going to do much. That's not going to fi- fix the ethical issues um, uh, we have in state government. Um, this is uh, essentially lawmakers patting themselves on the back and saying, "Hey, we passed ethics reform," but it's me. It's largely meaningless. Um, there needs to be more significant um, reform measures put in place. State lawmakers, uh, you know, can still re- re- resign their office um, one week and then become a lobbyist um, you, the next week. Um, working state le- lawmakers, you can still hold your seat in Springfield in the state legislature and lobby in Chicago. Um, it's. It, 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 it what would be wrong? What would be wrong with that, Dan? Why is that? Why is that a problem? Well, that's that's a problem because of the influence that these folks have. You can it's it's sort of like the comment, you know, bribery scandal. Well, and, um, and didn't then this past legislative session wasn't there like weren't there bills that specifically addressed Chicago related things? Oh, absolutely. They're trying to. I mean, uh, but that's not uh, a conflict of interest. Of course, that- it would be. Yes, oh, and that's well, that's okay. the problem. They don't. I'm still a learner here. I, I mean. I, you know, I, I'm trying to make sense of this. You know, is it, is it okay to have, you know, one foot in this box and one foot in that box and take money from both sides to to do something that's, you know, in theory supposed to be fair and, and to benefit the people? And hmm. that's and that's the ongoing problem. Despite many, many legislatures already going down um, because of the federal government uh, uh, investigation into corruption in Illinois, business as usual has been profitable to these folks. Yes, they get a taxpayer-funded legislative salary, but many of them earn money on the side uh, because of the power they wield in Springfield and what influence that can have on uh, on other areas. So, I just, yeah. Yeah. It just, it just, I feel dirty talking about it. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, all right, let's move on. One last thing. Uh, the redistricting maps. Uh, when he campaigned for the office, uh, Governor Pritzker said, you know, we're not going to bring po- we're not going to bring politics into the into the state legislative maps. We're just not going to do that, you know, because that's not going to be done. Well, we did it. And so now the Republicans, you know, who were very much on the short end of the stick in, in the in the legislature in both in, in both chambers, the uh, the House and the Senate, they're 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 dwarfed by supermajority Democrat rule. They're filing uh, a lawsuit over the maps uh, that came out. I think it came out on Wednesday. They did file it. Yes. So this week, what's the what's the grip on that? Well, essentially, Democrats who hold supermajorities in both the House and the Senate um, went behind closed doors, of course, um, to draw up these new maps every ten years after the new U.S. Uh, after the new U.S. Census data uh, comes out. Of course, that full data has not come out yet, and that's I'll, I'll set that aside here for a second. Yeah, that's um, an important. Have, well, that's an important piece. That's right. an important piece, right? They have to redraw their boundaries because people move, people migrate. So um, uh, uh, some districts, some current districts um, gain people, some other districts mm-hmm. lose people. So every um, every 10 years, you need to draw the boundaries so districts have about the same um, number of people. Well, Democrats have, have 
have made an art form out of redrawing the maps so that they can can continue to maintain their supermajority holds um, in, in the legislature. They'll draw districts to lump, you know, as many Republicans they can into a, a, a few a fewer number of districts uh, so Democrats can maintain, you know, whether it be 55, 60 percent majorities in more districts so they win more seats. Well, Democrats, just because of the because of the pandemic, um, the census, um, uh, the U.S. census was delayed in, in counting people. Um, and, in, and because there were delays in counting people, um, there were delays in formulating the data and assessing the data and whatnot. And we don't have the final census figures yet. But Democrats went ahead with estimates um, and redrew uh, their legislative districts, <clears throat> obviously part by, uh, on a partisan basis. Um, Pritzker vowed during his campaign while he was running for governor that he wouldn't sign any partisan maps. He would only sign independently drawn maps. We flip-flopped on that. Um, he he uh, is, signing, is signing these legislative maps, um, and now uh, re Republicans threaten to file suit, and now they are uh, filing suit because it's based on incomplete census data. Okay. Um. Pritzker himself, the governor, um, has said that there may be adjustments required to the maps. Well, when they get complete data, yeah, there may need to be because they might uh, the 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 districts that they drew up before they had the complete data, um, there might be an imbalance, and I I say might. There will be, I guarantee you, there's going to be an imbalance in the number of people who are in the districts that they drew up without incomplete data. You don't have incomplete data and you guess on the number of people who live where. You're going to have to, uh, to fix some things, just like they had to mm -hmm. fix the budget. They were going to have to fix the budget uh, because they passed it without knowing what was in it. Um, they passed these re districts without knowing what people were in which districts, uh, or at least having a com complete idea of, of what that is. So, yeah, they're going to probably have to fix it. Um, I hope the courts are open to the uh, lawsuit and make them redraw these districts from scratch. I don't have much faith in that. Um, it is Illinois, after all. Is there any merit to the idea that Illinois seeks to establish new legislative districts in southern Wisconsin, uh, northeast Indiana, and in the greater Nashville area? Uh, and certainly maybe a handful of, of legislative districts in the state of Florida to capture the, 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 the voting sentiments of the people who have left the state. <laughs> of course, we know through annual SS and census estimates that Illinois is bleeding people. It's bleeding taxpayers. Um, people are fleeing the state. It's why we, we've lost a represent, representative in Congress again uh, this 10-year census cycle because people are fleeing. It'd be nice if Illinois had economic policies and pro-business policies and pro-taxpayer policies where people didn't want to flee the state to go other to go to other more tax-friendly, more job-friendly um, states. That has not been the case here. Um, so, but, but to answer your question, literally, no, we cannot set up uh, districts, boundaries in the states where people are fleeing to. Uh, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm disappointed to hear that. <laughs> I appreciate the reality check, though. Thank you for being the voice of reason. Sometimes I provide that. Dan, I think we've run out of time. I'm out of breath, so I think we should. You've talked a lot. We you, both did. You really, yeah. Thanks. 
you, you earned it. Um, one more blast of the horn, or the uh, oh, no, yeah, let's hit that. Real, hit that. Yeah, real quick. All right, here we yeah. go. <laughs> All right, we're open. We're, come on in. We're open for business. <laughs> for Dan McCaleb, this has been Chris Krug. You've been listening to the Illinois in Focus podcast. This was the crosstalk segment powered by the Center Square. Now over to Greg Bishop for a look at what the Center Square will be working on next week. Next week, lawmakers return to the capital city for extended session, where they're expected to take up legislation shutting down coal-fired power plants by 2035 and subsidizing nuclear energy. They could also take up a series of other legislation that has yet to advance out of both chambers. Anything with an immediate effective date will require three-fifths majorities for final passage. The team from the center square will be on the ground to bring you the very latest. This has been Illinois in Focus. For more Illinois stories and commentary online, visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square, Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.